In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 55. It's the end of the world. As we know, know it, it. But I feel fine. I feel fine. I feel great. So if you haven't gathered, the song that I picked this week is by R.E.M. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the world. And why did you pick it. this song for this week? Well, this was an actually was another uh, listener suggestion. It sure was. Like a dystopian type of feel end mm-hmm. of the world so naturally where'd you go with the song but it's, it's the, the only the one world. you could possibly pick so then i re-listened to it yeah and it's got like a kind of a we didn't start the fire vibe at the <laughs> beginning that i didn't remember like just a really intense like listing a bunch of well, things well i'll be honest we've been listening to this since whenever it came out in the 80s yeah. i don't know any of the words beyond the chorus me either no. me either i never cared enough to learn them no. for some reason no. i don't know why no it's nothing against you, R.E.M., because no. I know you're listening, Michael Stipe. Well, but you know. he's busy losing his religion <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> Asking Kenneth what the frequency is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and our listener that suggested it, she has a great name. Her name's Amy. That is a pretty great Amy name. Amy W. I'm, I'm pretty partial to that name. So, Aaron, thinking yeah. about it's the end of the world, yes. but I feel fine. I feel fine. Got questions for you. Oh, hit me with it. <laughs> If it really was the end of the world, mm-hmm. and let's say you're someone that survives this mm-hmm. apocalypse, mm-hmm. even if it's a gentle apocalypse. Um, a wh- gentle <laughs> apocalypse? <laughs> Maybe not like a, you know, a crazy like earthquake or meteor or something destroying the world, but just like, you just know, like a- the coronavirus. Just destroy okay, it. Okay, like a medium-level <laughs> apocalypse. All right. Yes, I'm yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, all right so imagine all right. you've survived whatever uh-huh, apocalypse uh-huh. this is. Okay. What would you make sure it was absolutely not brought from our current world to the new frontier. And I will say that when I first read this question, I thought it was just the frontier. Like, you know, everything is decimated. It's all just wilderness and prairie yep. dogs and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dysentery. <laughs> Cholera. Yeah. Water. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what would you not bring? Segways. Oh, <laughs> I did in no way anticipate I know. that. Here's wow. the thing. Here's okay. why. Okay. okay. I, I'm actually a fan of technology in most cases. Sure. I think that regardless of even if it gets used incorrectly or for nefarious means, mm-hmm. most of the time it, it is progressing us yeah, or is absolutely. for a good purpose. So there wasn't anything that I could say I don't want, like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want the internet. I don't want my phone. No, none of that's yeah. true. Yeah. If I didn't have Google, I'd be like... Yeah. What? How do I live? Yeah, it'd be terrible. How do I find out what time the Indian restaurant opens? How do I find out what this mole is on my shoulder? Yes, Yes, exactly. So, but the one thing I will say that I've never been a fan of is segues. And I I will argue with anyone that brings no good or purpose. Interesting. High rate of injuries. Okay. Little to no purpose. You could Mm -hmm. just walk. 
we're not this, solving this any true. problems. Yeah. Uh-huh. For some reason, we thought for a while we should put some security guards on it. That just we really did. seems like you're asking for them to get taunted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, to me, it represents one area that just didn't need to happen. It seems like sort of a fad that's mm-hmm. maybe run its course mm-hmm. and that will be looked back on like MC Hammer Pants. Today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I would rather bring Hammer Pants back. For sure. And they look segways. comfortable. They're great. Yeah, really. Segways don't look comfortable. I imagine. No. First, to have be... you ever read or you've ever ridden one? No. Are you kidding? Have you met me? I know. I My face would be terrible. Exist. It'd just be gone. It'd be just road rash. Just permanent road rash. What happened to Aaron's face? It's just gone. Do you know how she many... Fell. I've told you before how much Mason loves America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. high number of Segway videos on there of just oh. face plants. Oh, so this is coming from a very specific place. Yes, a highly educated humiliation place. and education. Okay, mm-hmm. great, great, great. Are you also worried that if you had one and then you fell, Mason would submit a video of you? For sure. America's Funniest Videos. I feel confident that no matter what, at some point he's going to submit a video of us doing something because he's now notorious for just surprising you in random places yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. he could just have a camera someday Mm -hmm. and i did tell you that at one of evan's first show choir competitions they made a big deal about you can't record this because of copyright because they're singing songs and it starts and i look over at mason and he's just holding up his tablet (laughs) recording and i was like how do you i've never seen you do that like i don't even know how you know that function what are you doing right now you can't do that so kid knows more than he lets on he lets and he has a disdain for authority and rules yeah he's like oh i can't record now i'm guess what i'm gonna learn how to record (laughs) this next second was so serious and focused like i need to make this video good like what (laughs) i need to capture my brother singing and dancing and doing yeah Mm -hmm. wow okay well that was a a curveball Mm -hmm. but i i think i agree with your assessment good all right i thought you might like that Mm -hmm. one i mean you know who is anyone going to miss their segue? If you are, write in, let me know. Explain to me what purpose it's bringing to you that you couldn't find in another way, i.e., a bicycle. Yeah. Your feet. Your feet. Your feet's a good one. A car. Yeah, yeah. There are many mechanisms to take you from to and fro. Public transportation. Yes. <laughs> Uber. <laughs> Or Lyft, if you prefer. Let's go Lyft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taxi, if you're yeah. still living Old in school. that age. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you like a weird smell in a <laughs> beaded covered seat. And some vomit colored <laughs> yeah. uh, mats Yeah. Mm-hmm. that probably have had human vomit oh, on Oh, for them. sure. Yeah. Hands mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. So that's how I feel about that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so thinking about the end of the world, I mean, you could go apocalypse or you could just go things that are devastating. Yeah. yeah. So can you think of a time when you were younger and you thought something was the end of the world? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, When I was younger, this is in the Mm -hmm. eighties. We went to church for a while Mm. and I was learning about, you know, the flood Mm. at the same time we were going through the cold war and I was thinking a lot about the nuclear apocalypse and somehow I think I read like a story, part of the flood story, that the next way that God would destroy us would be by fire. So I legit asked my mom and dad, do you think that God's going to destroy us by the nuclear apocalypse? Because that counts as fire. And the look on my mom's face told me I was a real weird kid, first off. And second, (laughs) she did not anticipate this at all and also did not get the same stories from what we were reading or hearing about in church so yeah for a good while i thought that we were just gonna burn because of what i heard at church okay <laughs> and because of the russians that's a curveball for me because i thought you're gonna be like yeah i got braces seventh grade was oh, terrible yeah, no no, no this was, this was like that. legit this i is, thought the world was gonna this end this is when i was in elementary school and yeah. i was very consumed with um Actual the russian nuclear ending. apocalypse yeah yeah mm-hmm. Well, I think, A, that's a sign of your intelligence that you could actually parse out that this, you know what, these threats could actually be a problem because I think there was probably adults that weren't there. And second, it's it, it explains why you like a lot of the, a lot, that genre it? a little bit. It really bit. does. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think um, part of this was also that. Uh, you know, my, my parents just gave me free reign to libraries. So I read so many things that yeah. were really above what I should have been reading. And I read the newspaper every day. And of course you did. I was freaking myself out. Of course you did. Of course I did. Yeah. So yeah. Did it get delivered specifically to your room or did you have to come out to the No, I had to table? come downstairs and eat my raisin bran mm. and take the paper as dad finished it. And then I would take the paper from him. If dad was around, sometimes he was sleeping because, you know, he worked at night. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that's where... Learning so much about you, and I like it. That's where my head was at, circa 1985. So on the outside, just 
happy Amy inside yep. just mm-hmm. devastation. She's yep. just thinking apocalypse is yep. and not the gentle apocalypse nope. that we mentioned before. <laughs> fiery, fiery apocalypse. Wow. I'm, it might have also been influenced by the fact that my brothers had been born a few years earlier oh. and the world ended in so many ways then. As you, you knew know. it. Yeah. And you did not feel fine. Did not feel fine yeah. in any way. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another question for you. Mm. Um, like we said, this week's theme could also cover just change or other endings, other beginnings, that kinds of thing. Mm-hmm. How do you personally handle change? And can you think of an example that illustrates how you handle change? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though outwardly I handle change fine. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can roll with punches. I mean, we've covered that. It would be my speech that I toured with and nothing yeah. matters. So yep. change for me is not in like the general way is an alarming um, now there are certain kinds of change that I don't do well with. Like if you're, if, if I'm close to you or we're like in a relationship and you start acting weird, that freaks me out. Like sure. I read too much into people's yeah. actions, but just normal change. And I think what can illustrate that is a, just having kids, but also because of the wide range of ages of our children that I like, you just never know what's going to come in the door. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they bring friends. Sometimes those friends stay for dinner and you didn't plan on it. Sometimes those friends move in for like three days. Sometimes they, you think that they're going to be there for three days and then you find that they're gone. I mean, lots of random, sure. Randomness. So you have to be prepared Mm -hmm. for really anything. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It really feels like an army time. situation where you have to like, you know, just be ready to roll yes. out in any situation. And you just never know when one of them's going to have a problem. Like you have your day planned, yeah. you're ready to go. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't do X, Y, Z. I need help. Mm-hmm. And then everything, you have to shuffle everything because panic. <laughs> well, and you've also talked about before how you feel like you have to be a different mom to each of your kids. Yes. You have to parent each one differently. Mm-hmm. So in that way, then you have to be so ready for any weird thing from any sort of child and mom situation. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you have to know how to react based on that child and what is actually, see, some of them are more blunt and are just telling you what they need. Mm -hmm. Some of them are coming at you sideways and you have to figure (laughs) out, wait, that doesn't seem, oh, okay. Like you have to translate what's happening. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, it's your own personal game of Frogger. Mm. And so I feel like change is part of that okay i'm good with it okay Mm -hmm. are there moments then is it like in the shower when you go and cry is Mm -hmm. that when you really deal with change yep 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 there it Mm -hmm. is yep yeah Yeah. outwardly (laughs) fine nailed it done and then i go have myself a good cry and then i'm back perfect round two here we go here we go because it's like those those dummies you know that you practice kicks on like they go down but they pop right back up oh god they sure do yep that's what's happening i go down for seconds and then i'm back (laughs) (laughs) because just keeps coming <laughs> Parenthood sounds great. I know. Wasn't oh, that a great God. advertisement for yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my God. And mm. I, again, I love my children. Don't anyone take that wrong. No. <laughs> They're all terrific. I didn't mean that. I feel like you, you, you feel like you have to make that disclaimer every time we yeah, talk about yeah. your kids. Because I don't want anyone yeah. to think that, like, I'm like, oh my God. No, no, no. Children. No. Aaron is a very loving mother, mother, but you yeah. can be very um, just blunt about what the situation is. You have to be. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Be, keep in mind that they're all boys. So that's another yep. thing. I, mm-hmm. I That is a luxury I have that I think maybe other people don't sometimes is that I can just be a little more blunt. Yeah. So it, there are a few years in there where you can't be blunt with, mm-hmm. with them. But, Teenage boys. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. You've got two of them approaching those years. Yep. Two are past. Mm-hmm. Two are coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Each with their own challenges. <laughs> anyway, so what's something that exists today that we never could have guessed would exist when we were younger? Twitter. Oh, God. <laughs> I almost said that was a thing I didn't want to bring. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. Like Twitter and also the trolls that come along with Twitter. Yes, that's right? what it is. Because like yes. even... Even maybe the concept of the internet might have come into our brain when we were watching like 80s sci-fi and stuff like that. Or the concept of a future computing thing. Right. But where it could go on social media and particularly Twitter, I would have never, ever guessed. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And in some ways, like, when you think about it, it's not such a surprise because you know that a lot of humans are just garbage. But Garbage people. Yes. But seeing it on a regular basis... Mm-hmm. You're just, yeah, you're forced to um, remember and realize that yeah. every single time you're on that thing. And that's definitely something that 
exists a lot more now than when we yeah. were younger because yeah. there's an anonymity to it. You know, there's the, I mean, we might have yes. had prank calls and whatever, but the actual hatred mm-hmm. and vitriol and going after someone that's new because you yeah. can, you could have, you couldn't have done that mm-hmm. in the past. You can just sit behind your computer on a keyboard and do it. And even like prank calls when we were younger, there was a, a, a controlled group of where this might have come from. Like yes. you could figure it yes. out. You could piece it out. Yeah. Whereas today it could be some rando in Rhode Island that mm-hmm. is just, you know, once is threatening to rape you for some reason. Right. Yeah. 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 Because they didn't like something you said. Exactly. Yeah. So Agreed. maybe that could be something we leave behind too. I Yeah. Let's I'm just done. burn it. Okay. Burn it in the nuclear right. apocalypse <laughs> that I envisioned in 1985. Yeah. Well, someday <laughs> someone might say you're a prophet. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Have your own I graphic could... novel. You as yes. a kid, as a prophet. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to have to start coming up with some prophecies. You did in 85 no. <laughs> that we're all going to die. No more. Like, I need oh, to, like, oh, come okay. into my prophet powers now and, like, okay. prophes- prophesize? Pro- prophesize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're going to call you, it. You prophesize. Know what, you know what I'm saying. Prophesizes. <laughs> what prophecy would there be post-death? <laughs> we're all gone. That we all come back? I mean, energy doesn't, you know, go away. So, you know, we're, just, it, a, see, we're just a cycle. Spoken like a true prophet. <laughs> Spoken like a true prophet. <laughs> oh, this means I could be a cult leader too. I mean, we talked about like that yeah. could be fun. Yeah, that could be fun. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I don't know why I lit up so much when I, I know, thought that about was that. <laughs> I was a little hesitant to agree because you're real happy about being a cult leader. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I need to come up with a good name for my cult, and I need to come up with a good name for myself as prophet. Yes, you know, yes. prophet Amy. I don't think has a good ring to no, it. No, 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 no. So it's got to be something. Mm-hmm. Real good. Oh, I'll, I'll think about that. Okay. I'll come back to you. Yeah, let me okay. know. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. In the meantime, we can talk about some of our picks. We sure can. So I have a fiction pick for you mm. this week mm-hmm. that is called The Rending and the Nest by Kathy Schmen. Okay. From 2018. Nice. And it starts off that 95% of the world's population has just disappeared. No one knows what happens. Okay. It just all happens in an instant. Okay. 95% of people around the world are gone. Okay. Uh, so this event, the survivors, they named The Rending. Mm. And Mira is one of them. She was in a shopping mall when this happened. And so people just all over the mall, including uh, her um, parent, disappear. So she finds a few other survivors in the mall. And together, they kind of try and piece together what happened. But then they also build a new community called mm. Zion. So it's four years later. She spends her day scavenging the piles which are like piles of inanimate objects that just appeared during the rending as well. So she's scavenging these literal piles of stuff where Mm -hmm. she can find like tubing and plastic tubs to help in the new community. Right. So then her friend Lana becomes pregnant and it's the first pregnancy that they know of in this new world. Um, But when she gives birth, she gives birth to a plastic doll. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. Um, Pretty soon, the other women in Zion start getting pregnant, and they also give birth to inanimate objects. There's a sculpture someone gives birth to. There's Hmm. knitting needles. Yeah, I had the same reaction. Aaron's face is a real bad grimace. I had the same thought of, like, what that would mean as it exited the body, and it it really, I didn't like that. No. It was real terrifying. So, these things happen. These things are coming out of the women's bodies. Mm -hmm. And, but because, you know, even though these are inanimate objects, they were in each woman's body for nine months, so they feel a weird connection to them. Yeah. So, they name them babies, and they put them in this room where they build little nests for them. Okay. Okay. So this is all happening. Into this mess comes a dude named Michael. Mm. And he's telling everyone how great the world outside Zion is. Okay. Um, zero guesses on how this goes because he's kind of he's kind of uh, labeling himself as a prophet. Naturally. Um, there is a zoo that's involved that does not have animals. So, oh. yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yep. So that's all I'm going to say. Oh, my. All right. That's it a- sounds real batshit because... <laughs> In many ways it is, but in a lot of good ways. What I really like about it is that the world is, has ended as everyone knows it, not just with the absence of all these people, but almost the 
complete changing of like laws that we take for granted. Like Mm -hmm. we take for granted that when we have babies, we're going to have like actual human babies. But now these laws of like reproduction and physics are completely changing. So everyone's just kind of like, what, what is even the world right now? Who are we? Does love still exist? Does humanity still exist? And that's what I really enjoyed about this is that it's, it's based on this, you know, catastrophic ending, but then there's all these little endings and little beginnings of what it means to be a human. Hmm. So yeah. Wow. Babies. Babies. That are not babies. That are not babies. Coming out of those vaginas. Wow. Yeah. Came in Knitting with that. needles. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow. Wow. I know. You know, it as I... sounds really good though. I mean, it, yeah. it was really good. And she's a very good writer. And mm-hmm. I remember actually when I read this a few years ago, I reached out to her on Twitter and I was like, I, I loved this so much. And she was so gracious and really nice. Oh, super Because cool. I just, I had such a crazy experience reading this and i felt like i wanted to reach out and that's cool that's a good example of twitter you're right good use of twitter and you're right i gave twitter a lot of no 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 no. it was well earned and Mm -hmm. deserved you know with one thing on twitter that's not bad is our feed that's true our feed is a delight delight Damn, Positive, delight. great stuff. Yeah. Hilarity never everywhere. never troll. No. Uh, unless I was like legit showed you a picture of a troll from the 80s. Yeah. And in like that a case, troll under a bridge. Yeah. Like a, or yeah. like, remember the troll dolls? <gasps> that was yes. weird. But also. Yeah. That was real weird. Why did that fad take hold? I don't, I don't understand the appeal now that I'm thinking about it. The weird hair? Like yeah. The, was it a hair thing? It was a hair thing. The guys never had shirts on. They never had, little, had shirts on. Little nope. shorts, though. They did. Uh-huh. Opposite uh-huh. of Winnie the Pooh, who's missing pants and <laughs> has a shirt on. <laughs> so weird. No matter what kind of creature, guys just get to wear whatever some the hell part they of, want. Yeah, some part of their clothes just magically But if gone. a girl did that. Nope. They had little dresses. Oh. Those trolls had dresses. Yeah. As good girls do. <laughs> Well, you're going to be real impressed. Oh. Because when we talked about this theme, Amy and I were like, that's a great theme. Aaron's screwed. Because I don't read a lot of dystopian Mm -hmm. work. You don't, and that's okay. No. I rely on you for that, mostly. So, But this one, I do feel like sort of falls in the dystopian category, but it's also just kind of an end of the world, what is going on. Mm -hmm. And I have to give a shout out before I say it, because this book was actually brought to my attention by Kelly and Bali. Our friend Kelly. Yes. It's called The Heap by <gasps> Sean Adams. Oh, yes. She was talking so much about this. Okay. Yes, I want to hear about it. Yes. Yeah. So like I said, it's not necessarily dystopian in the traditional sense, um, but it is because it explores kind of the absolute end of the world that we kind of all assume would come with just blatant greed disrespect for human life um which often accompanies like dark capitalism and i i'm purposely going to call it dark capitalism because i don't not in my opinion feel free to correct me i guess not all capitalism is bad Mm -hmm. so i want to be very specific about that this is like the dark kind of capitalism where owning everything one person yes that type of thing Mm -hmm. so it also really explores loneliness um in culture, in our culture, and in a time where we're supposed to be more connected than ever, yes. we're discussing Twitter, yes. social media, but this is really looking at that from a whole different level. So there's this multi-level housing complex called Los Verticales that stands 500 stories tall. Holy so shit. it was built. Basically, it's a self-contained city within this building. So they have their own businesses, restaurants. Um, they have their own kind of almost government system because they have like a board like a lot of condominiums do um but it the whole structure collapses (gasps) and when it collapses because it was so large and there were so many units there's little pockets where people survived because the building didn't all the way collapse so it's called the heat because we're, we're we meet these characters that their job they are to go there and dig through the heap and find things that can be salvaged, but also to try and find survivors to oh try and find God. yes, day after day after day. And the government basically in, um, incentivizes it by saying, "You can come. We'll give you a live-in stipend. We'll give you a little place to live. We'll give you a bicycle that you can get to and from the heap, and to help." So there's all these people, you know, that initially go and start, and then it's starting to trickle off because this has been going on so long. Wow. Um, there's a very interesting right off the bat. You understand that there's kind of a class system mm-hmm. because there's inner units and outer units in this structure. So the outer units have like actual views. 
the inner units, which of course are less expensive, mm-hmm. have what like fake windows basically. They had these screens they invented that you can make it look like whatever you want it to look like outside, but it's not real. You're completely enclosed. Oh God, I feel gross just even thinking about yeah. that. Yeah. So they these the people that are helping dig through the heap are called dig hands. Um one of those people, the main character is Orville, who's trying to find his brother Bernard. So Bernard had moved to the um, structure. He was a DJ prior to that, and he just seemed to like the idea of everything being contained. But what's weird is that they discover that Bernard somehow has power in there and is able to broadcast. He's DJing from the heap, so it's become hugely popular. Oh my god! People can actually call in and ask him questions, and then he answers them. And so each day, Orville also has an opportunity to call him and talk to him on the phone. So you're getting this very uh, intimate look at their relationship too, which is the other part of this book does so... So what I didn't expect was yeah. this kind of whole family component of like, okay, he's searching for his brother, but they actually didn't have a great relationship prior to that. But he feels like, okay, he's so popular. He's mm-hmm. out there. I have to do this. Um, he feels very obligated to have these phone calls and sometimes they're not going super well. And they're also broadcast a lot of mm-hmm. them. So um, it's, you know, I, I'm having a hard time describing it because it is so many things, so many different like ideas to explore. And I just thought it was done so well. And it, it had almost like a, um, a Simon rich quality to, to the details that make you go, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I haven't really thought of something that way, but then also making this huge, like George Orwell, 1984 point, which is also amazing. Um, Brave New wow. World. I mean, there's so many books that you, kind of it brings up. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I mean, great first novel. He's also a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop. Wow. I mean, knocked it out of the park. It was great. I remember Callie mentioning that, but mm-hmm. she hadn't gone that in depth into the story. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't she, she saw him at an event yes, or something. She yes. saw him speak at uh, Beaverdale Books oh, here in the Des Moines yeah. area. Where we mm-hmm. have a presence, by the mm-hmm. way. Where you could go buy this book. Yeah. We are just getting all sorts of plugs in. Look at us. Where aren't we? It's like we have our own segue just zooming around. Just zooming around. But we don't. We take a car. <laughs> but we're not on a segue because yes. we wouldn't be able to control uh, the segue. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> well, other genre book. Yes. Um, I chose a memoir and it's called Love is a Mixtape by Rob Sheffield. Mm-hmm. This is from 2007 and this is one of my all-time favorite books. Um, I... I love it for so many reasons. But one, Rob Sheffield is a, a rock and pop culture critic. He wrote a lot for the Rolling Stone. He wrote a lot for other music magazines. And right away when you start the book, in the first chapter, Rob is listening to an old cassette mixtape. And he's sifting through boxes and you're thinking, you know, moving or something. You learn right away, though, that Rob's wife, Renee, died suddenly in mm-hmm. 1997 due to a brain brain aneurysm. She just dropped dead in their kitchen. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they were only in their mid twenties when this happened. Oh boy! Yeah, so it was the it was the end of Rob's world. Mm-hmm. But yet here he is. He's writing this book. He's trying to create a new one. He's looking back, thinking about endings and beginnings. So the the rest of the book, he goes back in time. He starts talking about his musical coming of age, and he talks about how music led him to his wife Renee. Um, music was a huge part of their life. Going to shows, writing about it. They both became music journalists, um, and he says over and over again that this, the 1990s, was the best musical time in the world. And I remember when I first read this, I was like, I don't think that's true. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, wait, no, I see what he's saying. Because this was when sort of Gen X musicians were taking over and punk was becoming mainstream. And he felt, he says multiple times, it felt like there was sort of a promise that even when the pop music came out and it was shitty, that there was something fun about it. There was something really cool about it. Yeah, okay. So he writes about love and marriage with Renee, um, including the five years they had together, mm-hmm. and then her death. And it's it's really heartbreaking, but it's also really joyous, too, because he's celebrating their marriage, their life together, her as a person. And the best part is each chapter starts with the graphic of a mixtape, like the, you oh, know, the cool. outside of the case where you write down each mm-hmm. of the songs. And so it's always it's a different mixtape each chapter. There's oh. one for like his high school dance. There's one for like a road trip. There's one that he made when he was trying to woo Renee, because oh. that's what you did, right? Yeah. You made mixtapes for the people that oh you had crushes gosh. on. Um, so I love that part. I actually found a ton of music from that when I was first reading this. Yeah. Um, so I think this book to me, like I said, it's all about endings, 
the, the absolute worst kind of endings, mm-hmm. right? But also beginnings and, and how music gets mixed up in all of them and mixtapes. I mean, killer. Mixtapes. Yeah. Who doesn't know? Well, okay, if you're too young, you don't know about mixtapes, but man, yeah. mixtapes. Did you ever do the thing where you listened to the radio and waited for a certain song to come oh, on God, so yes. you could record it? Because yes. you didn't have any other way. Yes. You didn't have Spotify. You spend hours doing that. Hours. And you call. If you were me, you would call into the radio station. Yeah. And one time I recorded when I actually, someone answered me like on air. Yeah. And I recorded my own voice. And I think it was the first time I heard my voice. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to hear the most embarrassing story ever about me and mixtapes? Yes, I do. Okay. So yeah, love to make mixtapes, but then sometimes you wouldn't have a tape and you'd be like, oh, I really want to make a mixtape. I'm just going to record over. Yeah, you do. So apparently, well, not apparently, I know when I did this, but (laughs) he was younger. I had decided that I was going to be Amy Grant and I sang my own version of Baby Baby on a tape. Oh God. So I'll give you a second to just think about that song. And he just belting it out. And then I recorded something else. Luckily, I only gave it to a friend, a girlfriend of mine. So... It didn't get widespread, but she was like, listen, at the end of this mixtape, there is you singing Baby Baby. If that was on purpose, why? (laughs) If not, you should record over that. And I was like mortified, even though it was just my friend. Like it could have been so much worse, but. So you didn't know you were recording yourself. No, I knew I was recording myself. I just didn't didn't realize that it was going to go that way. Yeah. Yeah, That then I recorded over that tape and gave it to someone. Yeah. I recorded something for her that she wanted to hear. And then. So I'd like to go back to the moment in mm-hmm. which you decide mm-hmm. I'm going to tape myself singing Amy Grant. Mm-hmm. Walk us through that decision. Uh, it's real simple. <laughs> I had a real inflated sense of self. Okay. And okay. I thought. How old were you at this time? Oh, boy. It had to be like oh, upper elementary, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, or maybe like sixth grade, because okay. it was a, because it wasn't like the same year. It was like a couple years later oh, that this boy. got discovered. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was okay. so far from my head. I didn't uh-huh. even remember it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And to her credit, I mean, good friend, lover to death. She, yeah, she protected you. Yeah, she did. But the way that she brought it up to me was to sing Baby Baby to oh. me. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, it's not one of your favorites. <laughs> And then we just, yeah, it went down from there. But yeah, no, I thought I was great. So I was going to record it. And I was like, thought karaoke was the coolest thing. And for sure. Everything about that was great. So why wouldn't I sing Baby Baby into my boombox? Yeah. When I was like in fifth grade. Will you sing it for us now? Oh, shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got to remember the words. Wow. I thought that was going to be a hard pass and you were actually considering it. I was. You were considering yeah. it. Okay. I mean, that's how much I love you. Wow. So, uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if you want to remember the song. I feel like that's one that we really can't afford, right? That's, that's probably, probably pretty popular. Yeah. Baby, baby. Mm-hmm. Taken with the notion. <laughs> <laughs> so much weird lyric play in that song, too, if you listen to it now. Wow. But, mm-hmm. You know what I just remembered? Um, the like a couple weeks ago, I was flipping onto '80s on eight, and I heard Donny Osmond's "Soldier of Love." Oh, that feels very akin to that yeah, era yeah. of like. You know what else yeah. I think it was about Amy Grant? And this is not a diss of Amy Grant by any means, mm-hmm. but like she seemed accessible in the way she that did. she didn't seem like overly put together yes like she seemed like someone you could possibly meet yes. which then i guess in my fifth grade brain <laughs> translated to could possibly be for sure you know yeah. she just uh, she always just seemed like she was wearing like normal clothes her hair never looked like it was that done yeah. i mean this is probably super insulting because she probably spent hours you know <laughs> well that was probably chair, a but... very deliberate image too, yeah like girl next door kind of thing yes. like aspirational mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep. Man, I, I do want to say that I am lucky that I never recorded myself because I did sing a lot to mm-hmm. myself thinking like, I sound good. No, I can do and this. the truth was I did not. No. And I'm so glad no. I never uh, had proof of that. Right. So uh, do you still have that in your possession? I don't know. Hmm. I don't believe so. Could but... we um, give it out as a giveaway to yeah. your Broads and Books yeah. listeners? If I find okay. it, somebody can have it. <laughs> I don't even care. I'm not even embarrassed anymore because that is not the most embarrassing thing I've done. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Mixtapes. Wow. I did not stuff. expect to uh, talk about Amy Grant in this episode or Donny Osmond. No. Here no. they are, though. Here they are. Popped right up. Yep. <laughs> baby, baby. <laughs> uh, so my other genre pick is um, kind of a short story, maybe novella type. It's um, It was released as a single. It was actually published in 2014 by Electric Literature. Um, they have this thing where they... Uh, 
amplifies storytelling through like digital means so for a while they were releasing like a um one unpublished fiction work like a month or a week to get people interested Um, but this one was written by jim shepherd it's called safety tips for living alone and this is set in the cold war oh so oh man right up your alley my elementary self is like everyone's gonna die yeah yeah So it's the story of four families whose lives are completely changed when the four, the men from each of those families go to work on a surveillance platform off the coast of Long Island. Like that's their military assignment and they're all together. But you learn about each of the four Mm -hmm. families separately. Um, Very isolated, very dangerous. Um, Some, you know, are a little bit higher ranking than the others. But the height of the story is when this powerful storm is approaching And at first, they think it's going a different direction, so there's no cause for panic, and it changes course very suddenly, and they don't have time to evacuate. So basically, they know that they're probably not going to survive. So it's... It, the short story is a series, some of the phone calls that they make home, like letters that they receive oh after the God. fact. Um, so obviously, this is the end of the world for these families as you know, as they know it. Um, but it's it's I really loved the story because it's this very difficult topic, but there's a sense of almost humor in it. But there's also this really human way of looking at the families. I mean, they're they're all so different. They all were had something different going on how each of those families move on without this person, how they handle that. It it's just it was so expertly done and it was just interesting and it was a different take on it and it's not a huge commitment because mm-hmm. it's like I said it's a novella, I mean, maybe not even a full novella really. It's more like a short story, mm-hmm. but um I I thought it was great and it was really interesting wow. and yeah. Joshua Ferris was the editor for it. Oh, if you yeah. know um Dinner Party and um in the oh, this shoot. is the completely yeah i blanked on yeah, i yeah, can yeah. see the cover i can too I, yeah mm-hmm. 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 yep so that's great <laughs> <laughs> good plug for joshua ferris without right. any yeah. reference to i do know that his that short story is called short story collections the dinner party oh, and okay. other stories so i can yeah. give you that one okay yep yep mm-hmm. okay. and then we came to the end was that it? yes okay. yes then we came to the end yeah you know what i'm still probably butchering it and no, we're gonna find no, out that later is that's it, it? there's okay, another great. one he has okay. another one too but i can't okay. remember anyway, anyway so like i said it was published by electric literature um which is a weekly fiction magazine and it was a recommended reading so it invites established authors indie presses literary magazines to recommend great fiction so if you don't um if you're an avid reader it's a great thing to follow on their social media check out their website super cool um once a month they feature their own recommendations of original unpublished fiction which is where this came from so fun way to discover new things and explore and if you're like oh man i need a break Mm -hmm. from whatever you're doing at your computer check it out being an internet troll head on over to electric literature (laughs) (laughs) read some shit and maybe you'll stop being a troll yeah yeah get your life together yes do better yeah do better and start by following electric literature yes you know electric literature i was at uh actually awp last year yeah and they had a booth and they had um a bag that now i use for all my library books and it says read more women and that's all it says and i love it it's amazing it's wonderful and now I walk through the Des Moines Public Library, and I'm just saying, like, read more women. Get every it. Time I'm walking. Get, look at my bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I feel bad if I actually get a male writer because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm defying what I'm saying, and then I'm like, well, what? A, no, that's not equality. What am I doing? Yeah. These are the things that go through my head. You, yeah. you have some very high level thinking <laughs> arguments with yourself, which I'm impressed by. I think it's just a testament to your intelligence, but also could be affecting your stress level <laughs> that that is a very good point and just so we're all aware i also have very lowbrow conversations with myself where i'm like do i need all those reese's pieces and the yeah, answer you is do. yes every I time do. yes <laughs> how is that even a conversation that's a good point the it's conversation really just, uh, should be yeah. do i have enough if the world ended yes do i have enough to get me through that's true when i'm at target and i'm buying some i'm like should i buy some more and the answer should always always be, be yes. yes always always yes Always yes, Jesus. or that that monster trail mix at Target. Yes, has. that's good. If you stuff haven't too. tried that, and like you said, every time you open it, there's just a, a feel of newness in the air there and wonder is. and joy. And there's just so many little things to discover in that oh, trail mix, yes. and I just love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. <laughs> oh. Speaking of weird, yeah, um, my pop culture pick. Weird. Yes. Oh, it is Jojo Rabbit. Ah. 
This is movie came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it finally came out on video, and I've been wanting to see this for a long time. I finally did just this week, and I can't say enough about it. Really? I'm so excited. Okay. Yes. So this came from Taika Waititi, who actually won the Oscar for his screenplay for this. So uh, the description just sounds nuts, really, um, because young Jojo is in the Hitler Youth, and his imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. I often think about, like, how did one pitch this movie to a, a movie studio, per se? Yeah. And someone was like, yes, I will give you all my money. That sounds great. To see Adolf Hitler as an imaginary friend. It works, though. Yeah. And at home, JoJo's mom, who is Scarlett Johansson, is – you can tell, um, even as a sort of observer, she's not really fully keen on the Third Reich mm. uh, and, and everything. This is in Germany during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, Jojo discovers that his mom is hiding a young Jewish girl in the walls. So, so many things about this movie. One, it is hilarious. And World War II movies should really not be hilarious, but it is. Mm-hmm. And it works. One of the reasons is you've got Sam Rockwell as a just over-it oh. Hitler youth leader. He's just – just cannot be bothered to <laughs> care at all that Jojo is accidentally almost blown up by a grenade or anything like that. Oh, yeah. um, Rebel Wilson is a camp leader oh. who says, let's burn some books. And all the kids are excited. And oh. yay, woo. <laughs> um, it's the kind of humor, honestly, that you and I love. It's yeah. so weird. It's so ludicrous in so many ways. Um, and also it is ridiculous because Adolf is a terrible and wonderful imaginary friend all at once. Um, he's played by Taika, and I, I just love him in everything. And I love, too, that he has said in press that the fact that he himself, Taika, is Jewish and Maori is a real sort of fuck you to Hitler and yeah. to hate and to, you know, the whole idea of white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, beyond being hilarious and ridiculous, it's also extremely relevant because these young kids are being taught how to be zealots. Like, JoJo is about 10, all of his friends are 10, and they're just like, yay, we get to go to camp and learn about grenades and woo! Right, and yeah. Learn how Jews are devils and all that kind of stuff. It's also so heartbreaking, too, because you see what's happening. You see, especially as the movie progresses and we're getting closer to the end of the war, you see what happens when the war finally comes to their small town. Um, you see how all of that rhetoric just sort of falls away at the end. Um, and it's so touching because this young boy finally meets this mythical, terrible Jewish person and actually finds a real friend at the end. Mm. Um, so I picked it for this theme because it's sort of the end of the Third Reich. Yeah. Um, it's the end of childhood, though, too, which was really interesting. Just sort of this end of innocence, end of you know thinking as a child and becoming more of a world citizen and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it ends, Aaron, with the German version of David Bowie's Heroes, which I was already working up to tears by the end of this movie, and that just sealed it. I mean, it was friggin' waterworks after just that. killing it. Yeah, yeah, that is... So I, I honestly, I can't say enough about it. I loved it so much. So I think if you dig our kind of sense of humor, which if you're listening, you probably do. I would hope. I think you would dig this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I went a little bit different direction with the end of the world and went to like maybe the end of the world coming soon because we can't seem to figure out some stuff oh sure sure um so what i'm recommending this week is a frontline episode Mm. which if you're unfamiliar frontline is a show on pbs and they released a two-hour episode called amazon empire rise and reign of jeff bezos and they released it february 18th and i watched it and we already know that i have a I was just going to ask, was this um, part of your research in taking him down? Yes. And I think I've been glib about that in like a, in a business sense, but this was such an interesting, first of all, I love frontline because Mm -hmm. I think that in a world where we spend a lot of time pretending that our news isn't biased, Mm -hmm. they are actually just report. I mean, they, they try to cover both sides of the story. They make no opinions. It's just sort of out there almost to the point in this one where you're like, come on, you got something to say about that, don't you? And nothing, you know, they just kind of leave it up to you. But they they really did a deep dive. I think at the beginning, they said like two and a half years that they spent interviewing different high level people at Amazon. And I, I don't know how to describe this other than to say, it's like the people that work there in a cult, like they know what they can say, they know what they can't say. And that's what you get from everyone. Whoa. And the only people that are speaking out about things that maybe aren't right are people that no longer work there mm-hmm. or people that tried to say, hey, this is wrong, including like safety experts, um, obviously people that worked. We've heard stories of people that worked in the warehouses, things like this. And so 
Amazon's done this, you know, where they've been able to say, yeah, but we're bringing all these drops. We're doing all this on this side. And then people say, yeah, but you know, what's the quality? And I will tell you that this was conflicting for me Mm -hmm. because I tend to side be on the side of like innovators and people that, you know, if they have good ideas and they're promoting those ideas and they're steps ahead of everyone, there's nothing really wrong with that. They don't have to hold themselves back for everybody else to catch up. So there's a lot about Jeff Bezos that I admire in that sense. I think that he really is truly a visionary. I mean, he really gets things on a different level than most people do and is really able to see where things are headed. I mean, this is a guy who started Amazon as a book warehouse. That's mm-hmm. what it was. He knew he wasn't going to make any money. He convinced investors to give him millions of dollars and told them that they wouldn't make a profit for 20 years, 20 oh. years. And people still did it. That's how, and now look at, I mean, yeah. it, it just doesn't stop. But in his effort to be that and in his in his want to be the top, there's a lot of cutthroat things that are mm-hmm. happening and a lot of things that have side effects and not even side effects, but direct effects on our world and how things are happening. One, particularly in the publish indus- publishing industry, um, if you know, if you follow anything with that, there's been a lot of issues with publishers and he purposely went after a lot of lower level publishers yep. and got them out of the way. Um, he's done some other things to higher level publishers. If they haven't gone along with what he's wanted, he makes it very hard to find their books on Amazon or they the buy button just disappears. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of practices that... and. And the long of that is that in a world where we're able to get media from a lot of places, the last thing we want to be doing is allowing one person to control that and one person to control anything that's published or put out. When you when you cut everybody else off at the knees, suddenly you're in charge of it all. Mm-hmm. So a lot of interesting stuff about that. It really breaks down the argument of whether or not they're a monopoly, what the government should be doing. I thought it was fascinating. Um you, I feel like you get a lot of inf- good information on both sides. And, you know, I don't think it solves any Amazon problem. I'm not saying that. I just, it just gives you a lot of things to think about. Um, it made me confront a lot of feelings I, I have about business or what's valued in business. And as a business person myself, there's a lot I respect about him, mm-hmm. but then there's also a lot I don't. Right. So it was, I, I thought it was super well done. I really like fascinating that he pitched that as such a long game and Mm -hmm. people bought into it. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, to maybe deliver on that, that's where he really like I'm watching this show right now called The Deuce, which I'm going to recommend in a future episode. Um, But uh, it's about the the growth of like um, pornography in Mm -hmm. the 1970s and how the mob was involved and everyone was taking their cut and police and state government and everything. And there was one line that the creator said in a behind the scenes where he's like, whenever it comes down to people making a lot of money, the people that are actually doing the work aren't getting shit. It's everyone up top Mm -hmm. here. And that seems so like Mm -hmm. Amazon in a way that, yeah, maybe there's this upper echelon of people that are benefiting from it, but everyone that's doing the actual work, whether it's the warehouse workers, whether it's the actual people that are creating these goods, mm-hmm. they're probably seeing shit. And the, the actual crux of the problem is that he's he created the marketplace, but then he also has share in the marketplace. So he created the, the place where everything's being sold, and mm-hmm. he owns that. He owns the data that's collected from there. He owns the actual interface. He owns all that, but now he's also putting products on there. So if you own the space and other people are paying to use some of that space, but you have your own products that are competing with those people. Well, what products obviously are going to come out on top Uh and he's putting other people in the position where they have to accept his terms because otherwise there is no way to compete. And on the flip side of it, you know, they're making a lot of people that do sell on Amazon, make a lot of money because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very common marketplace. So a lot of things Good to and think bad. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, that's, as with that's anything, really but it was yeah. interesting, and there's a lot of lot of things to take away from it. I've been mm-hmm. thinking about it a lot since I watched it, to be honest. So. And like you said, we joke a lot about you taking down Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. but this is in in a lot of reason why. Like this is why this yeah. is why you have your sights set on him. Yeah, because yeah, yeah there's yeah. some there's some dirty. And I think that on. I I mean a few episodes ago I might have said that I that I was against the ropes. I think it's probably more fair to say after watching this that I'm I haven't even arrived at the arena. <laughs> 
I you, you know. haven't come in with your like no. theme song and your robe no. and like whatever. Okay. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. No. Hmm. Like he's already won by default and yeah. I'm just yeah. begging the judges to give me a second chance okay. is where we're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the the fat the fight has already happened and because you're I coming didn't show up, up right and you're yeah. coming up mm-hmm. to the ref and be like, "Wait, no, I'm here." And they're mm-hmm. like, "Nope, sorry." No. 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 Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he's like, "I got all this money and I'm like, I have one gold doubloon." And they're like, "Oh, I don't know." You should be like, I got one gold doubloon and I got this podcast, yo. Changing media. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I think that would work. (laughs) Well, I mean, anyway, those are some great recommendations. We really did do a lot of way just beyond dystopia or apocalypse. Mm -hmm. We really looked at it from a a wider lens. Big view. Yeah. Good. Got so much to cover if you want to get your end of the world on. Yeah, and you got so many good choices here. So many. This good is what choices. we do for you every week. Every week. And you know, some people that listen to us, they mm-hmm. really enjoy that, and they give us some reviews. And we actually have a review that uh, we want to read to you now. I just noticed this person's username. What and, was um, it? It's uh, more books, less bullets, <laughs> and I am about it. I love that. Yeah, more books, less bullets. Yeah. Had this to say. Like car talk, but books? Question mark. Hmm, okay. Is the title. Okay. Okay. I love these ladies. They are absolutely hilarious. Half the time, I forget that the podcast is even about books. I think it's we just, forget that too. Yeah. So yeah, many times. Yeah, yeah. It's just entertaining. Reminds me for some reason of the old show, Car Talk, because they always sounded like they were having so much fun and it's just contagious. Thank I, you so much for yes. that review. And you're absolutely right. We do have a lot of fun. And we sometimes forget that we're here to talk about books. Yes. So that's where a lot of the random stuff comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. More books, less bullets. Thank you. And you know what? You could write a review like that. You could. We could read your review on the air. Mm-hmm. So why mm-hmm. don't you do that? Get on it. Yeah. You have an example right there. <laughs> but in the meantime, happy reading. up again same night another dream before trying this recording thing i didn't remember much of anything of these dreams i didn't remember much from any of the women and one night of doing this and it's broken things open the dreams are they're in me and they're they're coming out of me and to me i am not broken i am the most whole most real Cause their despair. Cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you. This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.